Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Match Ball. Welcome to the show. Well, how do you like that? The match ball against Swansea, Pablo Hernandez, God amongst men, putting that stupid gargoyle back in his place with his shit, shithouse tactics, defeating Keith Stroud. Leeds United are going to the Premier League. Will you just allow me to step away from the microphone for a moment? Yes! <laughs> was roughly how it, it felt at full time. <laughs> oh, that was, that was about the most intense end to a game I can possibly ever remember that matters a lot doesn't it it does matter a lot what does also matter is our obligation to point out that you can get 10% off with Levi Solicitors <laughs> levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball for 10% off your legal fees maybe you've got a dispute with your neighbours etc etc yeah get online and use the Levi's link if you need some legal services I'm Dan Moylan by the way hello this is Michael Norman to the screamy one hi and here's Moscow White Daniel Chapman hello there how are you Moscow I feel like you've not been listening to me because I've been telling you for weeks that we're going to win this league. So there's, there's really nothing to worry about. So all this tension, I don't know what, where it's come from, what the reason is. Tension? What tension? I think everything's fine. I was, I was weirdly zen going into that game today, probably because it felt like a little bit of a free hit because West Brom had dropped points. I don't know about you. I felt a little bit more relaxed about this one, strangely enough, than the Stoke game, even though I knew it was going to be more difficult. But, oh... I don't know what to say. I'm, abs- I, I'm absolutely in bits here. On paper, it was definitely our hardest game remaining. I know Derby, have, well, we say Derby are a bogey team for us, but basically they've, they've had 45 minutes against us in the past two years, haven't they, where they've actually been decent. I know they got a point off us at home, but we still absolutely battered them. And to be honest, the way it stands now, draw at Derby is absolutely fine, isn't it? We can cope with that. That's going to be part of the plan. I don't know what happened in that game, you know. <laughs> I, I've, I've just, I, it's just, it's all like, it's a blur now. I know it was just really tight and scrappy and they were horrible and Keith Stroud blew his whistle a lot. And then Pablo popped up really late on and I, and, and that's all I remember. <laughs> I found myself at uh, full time, weirdly, kind of saying, that's for you, Pablo. That's for you. And I'm thinking, no, Pablo, you're the one that's done it. <laughs> Don't know why. I think I just saw him coming off the pitch and I remembered him being so upset at this point last season because it was, it was kind of this time, well, not this time last year, but this stage of the season last year, he was leaving the pitch in tears against Brentford and you, you knew it was, it was kind of over and done with and the contrast with that. But it's just him that's done it, isn't it? So, well done, Pablo. I've done nothing. I've just sat here crying. It was Pablo, but also a combination of um, Luke Ayling running the entire length of the pitch 
to sort that out for him and which is quite some achievement in what felt like the 132nd minute of a of a game on a hot day when on a Sunday when we played on a Thursday and I'm not going to uh, have a word against Telda Costa's ball back to Ailing either Pablo is the the hero for managing to control that ball after it was deflected and could easily have just gone spinning away behind him but um yeah step forward Luke and Helder for doing brilliantly to make that happen I'd made a note as well about 15 minutes before just that we looked fucked everyone did. I mean they did too everyone just looked completely on their ass in the last 15 minutes and then out of nowhere the I suppose maybe well I say out of nowhere I guess the hours on the running track this is where they pay off is when you've still got that little bit of energy to still run the length of the pitch at that time in the game and just pull out something which is it was a game that in fairness we should have won but it it did look like it was destined to be a draw, didn't it? I think when Bamford missed that header, I kind of had accepted that we were going to draw that. And I was all right with the draw, actually, by that stage. I was thinking, you know, that it gives it keeps us top by a point, gives us a bit more cushion on Brentford, as, even though they close in this you know, this week. We've had a tough, a tough away match. It'd be, it would have been fine, but Christ, doesn't that feel a lot better? You see, I had no idea who'd done the build-up to that goal. All, all I've remembered from it is that it was a Bielsa goal where we go down the right, we cut it back, somebody steps over it, and then somebody brilliant puts it in the net and we win. And that's all that we do these days, and that's fine. It needs Pablo, though, doesn't it? That first half, was it wasn't happening at all. I think the first, second half, we definitely improved when Pablo came on. He gave us a lot more a lot more tempo, and we just didn't give the ball away as much. But the first half, I thought we were pretty dreadful, actually, by our own standards. Like There was a lot of just hoofing it long, because there, the, there wasn't the same availability of players in midfield to pass to... What does Pablo do? And how do we get him to teach other people to do it? I'm not sure he necessarily made us that much better. We were still pretty bad throughout the second half as well. He does give us a few more ideas, but nothing. It seemed old game as soon as we we crossed the halfway line. Everybody just started booting the ball in random directions. And and Pablo included. He had a, a, a couple of passes forward. There was one... Six out, particularly who's trying to play a full ball, maybe for for Bamford to to run and just boot it out for a goal kick. But we just—I mean, we know Leeds do this. We just stick to it and stick to it, and it doesn't matter how stupid we look while trying to do something really good. We're trying to do something really good, and in the end, you get your rewards. And we did deserve to win it, as much as we've in many ways slagged off that performance and said we weren't great because we weren't because we know how good we can be. But we still definitely deserve to win. I've not looked at XG and stuff on it, but they didn't have any chances, did they? As I can remember, there was the one that Gallagher had from sort of just inside the box that Melier tipped over, which was a pretty good save. But they didn't at any point carve us open, did they? No, no. Jurgen Klopp watches all of uh, Rian Brewster's loan games, and I think he'll conclude having watched that that he should probably just sell him. Sign Ben White is what he'll say after that, because because Ben White was absolutely brilliant against him. Because to begin with, I thought him and Ayu were both quite lively compared to Stoke who offered absolutely nothing the two of them did look like they were potentially going to cause us problems but you know Ben White was superb I thought yeah they did that thing and it was pointed out by Bridlaw in the commentary uh, where they let us have it at the centre-backs but as soon as it went to the full-backs they pressed us high and wide which is what a lot of teams who've had success against us have managed to do but um, I thought a bit like you like I'd, I'd kind of resign myself for most of that game to it being nil-nil but the beautiful thing is now I think just about, maybe, we're starting to trust these players. And I think maybe that's the the psychological switch that's gone on since we beat Stoke. 
these players believe it. And I think we believe in these players as well, that they know they've got enough in there to do it. Because at no point was I overly worried today about, about Swansea battering us at all. It never felt like that. It just felt like it was going to be a, a really tight, gritty game, which is what it, it turned out to be. And it was just the magician who, who stole it in the end. And that's the difference, isn't it? Teams that get promoted do that. Just looked it up, actually. The XG is not 0.2 to Swansea, 1.1 for us. So yes, a 1-0 win is pretty much bang on for that. Patrick Bamford's chance was 48%. Pablo's one he actually scored was 12. Although I think actually, this is a, looking at where the players were all positioned, Pablo has put it absolute eye of a needle stuff there, hasn't he? To get it in that corner. You can, I still can't believe the keeper hasn't got a finger on it. It's just out of his reach. And I think he injured something on the goalkeeper. Did that going in? I don't know if it was a bit of his, some part of his soul managed to escape after uh, Pablo had snuck it into that little corner, which he seemingly couldn't do. The other thing, going back to what Dan was saying about trust, is even if we'd drawn that game nil-nil, probably, even if we'd lost it, if Swansea had somehow nicked a goal and we'd come away with nothing, I'd still think we were getting promoted. I'd, I didn't feel like this was all or nothing, that it's a definitive result that if we didn't win, everything would be so much worse. My attitude going into the, the late stages of the game was right. If we don't get a, a winner out of this there's still enough games that these, this team are going to win the league. So trust is definitely there where it's possibly based on last season, built on nothing, maybe not nothing, maybe on everything they've done this season since that happened. I think I was thinking about this the other day as well. Most great teams aren't great in the first season either, are they? I think partly we were so good last year that it felt like we missed out. But if, if we'd have played some nice football and finished sixth last year, it wouldn't have felt bad, would it, given our expectations at the start? But because we came so close and played such nice stuff, we were probably ahead of schedule last year. Whereas now, this is kind of what you'd expect. You have one, you have one very good year, then you have one perfect year when you win the league, and we're very near to it. I mean, the bare facts of this one now: four points needed from three games last year when it was on the running. When we were in the running, sorry, there was a very famous line trotted out by one or maybe both of you on the podcast saying. I wonder how we're going to fuck this one up, one up from here. It just it does not feel like that's going to happen this year, does it at all? Famous last words. I mean, like I say, we might, we could conceivably not get another point this season and go up, but we will surely. I think another win will probably do it for us because I don't know. Brentford won't win all of theirs, will they? Will they? I don't know. Maybe they will. Click had the right idea as well of just saying we're just assuming they are, and that's fine. They can. They can come up in second if they want. I'm not bothered. I think that's the psychological switch that I was talking about before. Exactly that one when the players have just gone, yeah, and matter what anybody else does. We know what our job is. We've just got to go out there and do it. And now we believe that they can do it. That's what happened with Stoke, I think. But like you, I, I thought it's not going to be our day. We're not going to manage to nick this. When that Bamford chance, when he managed to get across to that, because for all the world, that looked like a goal, didn't it? And yeah, you can't criticise Bamford there. He's, you know, he's diving at a low ball, isn't he? I mean, the, 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 the requests for him to pick a particular corner, it's quite an ask when you're doing a diving header at that sort of speed. I mean, you say that, but the what a striker will be told is to head it back the direction it comes from because the keeper's momentum will be naturally dragging them the other way when he didn't, but... Ugh. Not there. Not not right at the back post because the keeper didn't have much of his... You know, which bit of the goal is he going to be defending? He would be going to, to right there. The, I don't want to criticise Bamford for this one, but I would refer back to our previous conversation about getting Jermaine Beckford to, to teach him how to do how what to do in that situation because I do wonder how you know when's the last time Patrick Bamford did like dive in header practice at the back post we know Bielsa doesn't practice finishing and doesn't 
believe that that's something you can do. I think it's something I disagree with him on. You know, if he just spent some time in his in his back, I was going to say garden. He's got plenty of that. Get Beckford round and just work on. Just ask him where would you have put that? He'd say I would have headed it straight, like as, as near to the post as possible, because the keeper wouldn't be getting there. Okay, mm-hmm. next time. I agree with you to an extent, but it doesn't feel like this is a, the day for that conversation, does it? I think he's done his job. He's hit the target. You can't ask for, for a great deal more than that. That's what they say, isn't it? Hit the target. Yeah, I expect him to score from there. But anyway, we can we can leave it for today. I thought he played all right overall, actually. Yeah, he was good. He, a lot of our stuff was, was different to how it normally is because we were looking for him running off their centre-backs and trying to get him in behind instead of always working to the corner and then cutting back for him. So he had a lot more to do than he normally does. Often he's kind of waiting in the middle to see if something's going to come in from out wide. But instead he was he was um, working a lot harder on the, the shoulders of defenders because of the, the way that we were trying to get through Swansea's defence. So no, no problems with him at all today. It's just that little thing of like, oh, if only you'd, you'd got the playbook and you'd, you'd maybe done that a few more times. You'd, it's like what we're saying about Kiko Garcia earlier in the season when it looked like he'd never faced a, a shot in the six-yard box before and you remember that actually he's been sat on his ass on Real Madrid's bench instead of actually playing professional football matches for, for years. It's that kind of muscle memory of being in those positions again and again and again and then you, you get the knack of where to put it. It's not been uh, Bamford's game so far. You're right though, he was absolutely feeding on scraps today. It was a really it was a really tough game. It was it was quite a difficult watch, actually, wasn't it? Which is probably why I've not retained much memory of what happened. It just felt it felt really attritional and um Keith Stroud, hot talking point on this podcast in uh, in the past about his refereeing performances. He was my thoughts I was gonna take away from it. I was gonna think Stroud's made himself the star of that game again and then obviously up pop Pablo, but he didn't have a good game. It was it was really scrappy. He seemed to I think all of the bookings were harsh and there were then three or four other things that he didn't give bookings for that he should have done. He's just basically a shit ref. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Keith, but you're useless at your job. And uh, that's without talking about your other activities. That's what it came down to today. This, and in his usual performances, apart from that penalty, he didn't give us that started everything. There's never something in him where he's made like a massive mistake where the headlines the next morning are going to be Keith Stroud fucks things up. It's just that general low-level shitness where he's just not really got a clue about well, what's going on. Even when he um, he penalised Swansea for a foul throw and he did that kind of ballet move to show what it was all about, it's just he was doing that. Meanwhile, just off camera, so we didn't see it, but I can be pretty confident that it was one of the most brutal assaults that has ever happened on a, a football field the there should be lengthy 10, 20 game bans coming in for the the seven or eight Swansea players who set upon Hernandez with crowbars and motorcycle chains. And uh, the one particularly, again, it wasn't quite caught on the camera, but the one who was just pressing cigarettes and putting them out on the, the back of his thighs. You don't want to see that on a football pitch. And obviously we didn't, but all this was going on while, uh, Keith Stroud's just, you know, pretending he's doing some diving actions to to demonstrate a foul throw. He's never quite in charge, is he? Because he gave all those yellow cards thinking he'll stamp out any foul play in this game. And all the players did just did worse stuff knowing he couldn't send them off. So <laughs> how is that a good refereeing performance? About a minute after that as well was when there was the foul at um, 
it was Ayu on Alioski, which was probably the most yellow cardy thing in the whole game when the ball was out of play and he just left one on him. And Stroud just sort of went, oh, yeah, absolutely fine. Just going to ignore that. I don't know if Ayu had been booked already and he was choosing not to just not to deal with it or whether he just doesn't see an issue with it. But Maybe because he was off the pitch, it's it's outside his uh, his sort of pig pen, his pig pen of influence. I mean, on the plus side, um, if we go up this year and Stroud, he doesn't seem like a man who's likely to get Premier League games. This might be the last we have to see of Stroud. So that'd be nice. We can start hating Premier League referees next year as a, as a special treat. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Returning to Pablo, the magician, the wizard. What do you think about Bielsa almost using him a bit like special teams in American football now and just saving him and gradually managing him through, uh, managing him through it? It feels like a really canny move, actually, to use him in the context of, you know, having five subs. So it's, you can kind of keep him for half time, can't you? Because you know you can make a couple of subs and you've still got three left if you need them. I think it's good as long as it's working. There is going to come a game when it doesn't work, but you have to say so far it's been pretty much perfect. He's turned every game, which, I mean, he does give you the argument. It's a bit like when we had Gradle who used to come off the bench constantly and change things. You do reach a point where you think, well, why don't we just maybe try and be good from the start rather than just being good from half time. But he does obviously trust Tyler Roberts to do a job. And I feel a little bit sorry for Roberts in some ways, because I don't think he's, he's naturally suited to that position necessarily. And he's certainly not comparable to a, a 35 year old Pablo Hernandez who knows that knows exactly where to be on a pitch pretty much all the time and knows where the, where to pass it and just has a massive mental advantage from the experience. But I mean, I, I think maybe it's a glimpse of what would happen next year in the Premier League as well. It might be that we probably try and replace Fernandez more permanently, but then he still is coming on to play half an hour here and there. Yeah, Tyler Roberts is learning all this, isn't he? His, Roberts has not had a, a full season at championship level that hasn't been interrupted by injuries or being out of the team because Pablo's in it or or whatever it might be. So he's not had the advantages of playing in European matches and training with top quality players at, at Valencia. He's only had a, a few short, comparatively short time with um, with Pablo Hernandez at Leeds. So he's got a long way to go before he's at Pablo Hernandez's level, but he's um, 
he's not doing a bad job. And there's a, you can sort of see it coming in him. There's a couple of like through balls and bits of skill where you think, oh, that's that's going to be good when you're doing it all the time. And we do just need Pablo to come and tidy up. What other good things can we take from that game? Because I, I genuinely have little recollection of the sort of form and shape of the game or any major events in it. What else happened? Melier, I'd like to talk about. I think he's good. He was good today. Although they, they put a lot of crosses in, a lot of corners, and I think he got something on absolutely all of them. Kiko Casilla, do you remember it used to, I think even the way our games are filmed has changed since Kiko's been out of the team. You used to always get on a corner a close-up of Kiko Casilla because the director knew, keep an eye on this guy, he's going to do something stupid. And normally he did. And you, I just feel like having Meslier in there has taken a lot of that drama out of it, which is a big help to everyone else. I agree. He was very good today. And I think the other thing about today is that Swansea were really good. We we always focus on Leeds in this because we're Leeds fans, but they were, we're looking for reasons why it took until the, the 130th minute to score a winner. It's because Swansea played really well. They didn't get many chances, and that's a Rian Brewster effectively did nothing. I thought he was actually just coming into it when he got taken off. So that's a genius move by Steve Cooper. But the way they were set up with three at the back and then wing backs and two defensive midfielders and that Conor Gallagher, who's on loan from Chelsea, was at um, Charlton previously, where Lee Bowyer sort of was a big fan of his box to box energy. And you could see that as well. He was pretty much dominant in midfield, which is an area where we often don't have many bodies. So Click's in there kind of on his own, trying to do the work of, of three central midfielders, whereas Swansea have actually got three central midfielders, if you insist on counting Matt Grimes. And they played really well against us and and countered and nullified a lot of what we wanted to do. And there's, there's two ways of looking at the way things weren't working for us in their half. Either our players were playing really badly and Probably you might put Jack Harrison just on that. He's Jack today, just on that little edge of, of having a, a bad game. But also, you know, they were very well drilled at stopping all the things we wanted to do. There's reasons why we weren't making the passes we wanted to make and getting the chances that we normally create. And it's as much that there was another team on the pitch playing very well as there was a Leeds United team not playing at its best. So in amongst all that, do we have any heroes and villains that we can perm from the 22 players and possibly the officials as well? I'd like to nominate um, Andre Ayew as a villain as well. Just really wound me up. It seemed massively aggrieved if anyone went anywhere near him. Wanted free kicks for everything. Did loads of niggly stuff himself, just leaving little kicks on people and things. Just didn't like him. Fuck him. And his brother, who's Jordan. That's his name, isn't it? I think there might even be another one. All of the Ayew brothers. Don't like any of them, even if Bielsa does. You know who his dad is, don't you? I do. It's uh, a Betty Pele, isn't it? You do. Do you have any strong feelings about his father, if you're taking down the entire family? I, qu- I quite liked him, actually. I seem to remember him playing Italy, didn't he? He was quite good, actually. So I'll maybe let him off. Be more like your dad. I have a couple of hero nominations amongst the Swansea team, in fact. I enjoyed Ben Cabango's name immensely. I've never come across a Cabango before, and I really enjoyed the sound of that. And when I uh, went to the fridge um, singing it, I'd quite like us to sign him just so we can uh, sing a song about him. Ben Cabango is a bit short, though. That's the other thing I liked about him was I noticed that he was shorter than Patrick Bamford. 
And so all the, all the way through the match, I was thinking we do have a chance here because they've got a short centre-back. And um, same reason for nominating their uh, substitute goalkeeper, Erwin Mulder. What a great couple of names. Ben Cabango and Erwin Mulder. Um, nomination on a very specific point related to that goalkeeper for Keith Stroud. If we're wearing grey and pink, is it a good idea for their other goal for their goalkeeper to be wearing pink? Because when he came up for um, for their corner at the end, it did look a little bit like. I mean, I've not much faith in Stroud's sort of eyesight as it is. Can he tell the difference between them all? And they would not have been beyond the wit of Stroud to force to have delayed that game even further and forced him to put a different top on. And I would have supported him. I'd like to nominate Ben White for a hero as well. I, I did mention him earlier, but I think as much as they didn't get a look in, I think Ayo and Brewster are genuinely two quite the best players in the championship. And he was well on top of it, despite some quite good movement from them. They did some, they caused a lot of problems compared to what he had to face against Stoke. And he was absolutely up to it. As was Liam Cooper, in fairness. I think sometimes we leave Cooper out when we talk about how good our central defence has been. The bit I liked about Ben White the most, there was a, I just it just shows what a kind of a class above he is pretty much every other centre back in this league was when there was a long ball played forward and he was pulled out on the right and most centre backs like as in probably ninety percent of Premier League centre backs as well just head that ball straight forward or head it out for a throw in and instead he kind of cushioned a header which took it over the top of the player who was coming onto him and they just took it out of his feet and went forward with it and you just think not bad not bad at all I hope Jurgen Klopp hasn't watched that too closely. It does return us to a theme we have touched on before on this podcast and ties into what I was saying earlier about belief growing is that I think we sometimes forget just how good we are and you look at how much we've thwarted what is a very able Swansea side there just through being brilliant ourselves and it just goes to show how much kind of the sort of PTSD style nerves have kicked in so much over the course of this season because when we stand back and look back at this season as we surely will hopefully you know with promotion in the bag we'll probably start to enjoy it retrospectively, won't we? And we'll realise just how good we actually were. Like on a game like today, where it was never going to be easy, it was the one that we we thought, this is the game, this is the real game that's going to be the tough one in the run in. The run-in, that we came through it in the way that we did. And with such composure, particularly at the back, miles away from that Derby playoff game last year. Yeah, there was never a moment where we looked like completely doing something ridiculous. And I think, again, to go back to it, maybe a bit of credit for... Meslier there because he he seems to know his place. I don't know if with Cooper and Kiko there was a bit of uh, alpha male stuff going on, being who was the, who was going to be in charge of that, and they both decided they were they were going to be in charge and ended up being neither of them. But it just seems to be a lot calmer at the back with with Meslier there as well. Uh, another hero nomination actually for Matt Jones on LUTV. I'd never heard him before on there, and he was really good, like better than. Jermaine Janus, who seems to have been doing that forever and has never has anything interesting to say, get Matt Jones on. He actually knows what he's talking about. He kept saying loads of correct and insightful things, talking about the way players were positioned and how where gaps were opening up and how players were trying to exploit things. It was quite refreshing. He did have a beautiful bit of mistaken speech in the aftermath of Pablo Hernandez's goal when he probably deserves credit for being able to speak at all. But... Um, he described, uh, he was talking about Ailing being put behind and he said, those are the poignant moments we've been talking about. And I don't th- I think he actually meant, I, don't, I didn't recall any time earlier in the, the commentary when he'd been really demanding poignancy from, uh, from us down the, the right wing. He's just, he just needs a little bit more of a, 
a poignant ball. Maybe so, what a little, did he mean? something a little bit more emotional. I have no idea. Composure? <laughs> it could have been, but he definitely uh, came out with them. Um, the poignant moments, and as it turns out, it's exactly the right way to describe it because it's um, it was a poignant moment. Well, we will sign off this podcast in a minute or two, but we couldn't finish this episode without paying tribute to Jack Charlton, which we'll do properly on the proper episode that's coming in a couple of days' time because let's just be, be giddy on this one and enjoy the football for the football, but nice to get a win for him as well on what's been another sad weekend for uh, for Leeds as a fan base and thoughts, obviously, with um, with Jack's family and friends. And all the, the praise we were talking about before with um, Ben White heading the ball over defenders, controlling the match, keeping top Premier League quality strikers quiet, taking us to promotion with um, with number five on his back. And I'm, I'm sure he's aware of the, the shirt he's wearing, just as Liam Cooper will be conscious of having a, well, I mean, the big banner that's in the Norman Hunter stand now with a massive Hunter six Cooper, being a Leeds fan, will look at that every single time and uh, and know that's the number he's wearing. So it was, um, yeah, you can't do better than a, a clean sheet from from the five and six when they're your centre-halves. So, Michael, as the most pessimistic man we've ever met, you are the pessimist-in-chief on this podcast. Project 538, is that what it's called? The one that we've been keeping an eye on? Yeah, it is. Uh, who should we should caveat this by saying they predicted Hillary Clinton would beat Donald Trump in the US elections? So, you know, take it with a barrel of salt. However, they've got now promotion probability for Leeds United of greater than 99%, with a win the league probability of 89%. What is it in your mind? I'd say we're. Oh, I think we might do it. <laughs> it might go up. I'm st- I'll still take second. Don't get me wrong. I'm still absolutely taking second place, but everything's good. Again, I don't know why you're listening to this shonky American website that predicts everything wrong. I've been giving you 100% uh, certainty that Leeds will be champions for weeks, and I am right. You did give that certainty last year as well. So. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Good answer. Yeah, well well done. Mature answer. Love that. Well thought out. Well considered. Your your (laughs) mum. Your mum. Right, um, let's get out of here and go calm down. I'm absolutely awash with adrenaline. I need to, I don't know, I need to, like I need to go run like um, around the block a thousand times or something just to calm down. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball for your 10% discount on legal fees. And we've got the podcast proper to come for you in the next day or two. Uh, Phil Hay shows on the way before the Barnsley game when we could be another step closer to the Premier League. Thanks for listening to this one. We'll see you in a bit. The Match Ball. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.